Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. I get to uh, introduce uh, my partner in crime and all the other things we do. This is my lovely wife. I left my ugly one at home. This is my lovely wife. <laughs> Robin, Pastor Robin has been on staff with us since before, I guess, even I was on staff. You were a part of the original two, right? The original two. The original two. No place to go but up, I suppose. <laughs> so, uh, I Pastor- said he was stuck with me, so there's no place. Or we had kids. There's church growth at its finest, right? Yeah. So uh, Pastor Robin's been with us for years. She's been uh, she's been ministering with me together like this now for about about 20 years. We do it every year. So next three weeks, you get the best part of me. So this is my wife. She's the good part. I, you guys who put up with me all the time. Thank you. She does more than you. So anyway, she approved these jokes. Just so you know, they're approved by Robin. Yes. I, you know, I had a really great date last night. I did. I had a really, really great date. I enjoyed it. I think I'll have a fig tonight. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Guys, that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> See, she likes my humor. Uh, you know why you shouldn't kiss anybody on January 1st? Because it's the first date. Yeah, yeah, and this one's hers. Okay, I'm gonna say this one. I'm gonna say, make sure to laugh really hard. Okay, we'll put him to shame. Um, you know, I've been in a very serious relationship for two years. Yeah, in fact, we haven't laughed a bit. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, if you got your Bibles, a couple of things you're gonna need today for this message. One is gonna be your communion elements. Uh, if you don't have them, you can pass them around. They'll be around in a few minutes. If you're uh, at home, grab, if you're watching online, grab a cup of coffee, grab a donut. Doesn't matter. We're taking communion no, a little bit later. donuts are not allowed for communion. <laughs> no, no, no. A grab piece a of bread, yeah, cracker. But no donuts allowed. Those things are evil. He hates donuts. I hate donuts. They're evil. They'll kill you. All right. So anyway, we're going to do that. And then the other thing, if you've got a Bible, open with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we're going we're gonna to walk through. Uh, one of the greatest passages in the Bible regarding marriage. And this is how, one of the reasons I believe the Bible is inspired. Let me just give you a very reason why I believe it's inspired by God. The most insightful passage ever, probably ever written on marriage. And one of the clearest, best passages, psychologists, everybody would, should, or hello, hello, should agree uh, that one of the best passages ever written on marriage and most insightful was written by a single man. So uh, this is just something for you to think about. We'll be there in a second. But this month, uh, my wife and I, we've been married for 31 years. It's actually 32. It's 32. <laughs> he got See, that way wrong. I, I wrote that in the notes wrong. And Time I just, flies. That's yeah. what it is. Time flies. It just <laughs> seems so much shorter with <laughs> That's you. What it is. Anyway, um, uh, so we've been married for 32 years, and um, we're going working on 33. And we've learned some stuff through some ups and downs. You know, somebody told her one time, they told her, well, you can never understand my life. Your life is so perfect. <laughs> I'm laughing. 
See that? No. Yeah, she's been married to me for 32 years. Her life has not been perfect. <laughs> hey, careful, careful. <laughs> so anyway, we've learned some stuff over 32 years, and what we want to do is we want to talk not textbooky stuff. We just want to talk a little down and dirty how the scriptures have illuminated what marriage is and what marriage is like and how it's to be done the right way. So, um, we, you know, this series, we want to share some of the things we've learned. So marriage is an all-in commitment. When you stood at that altar years and years ago, whatever that could have been weeks ago for some of you, you did not go into it with the assumption, uh, we'll just try it out. We'll see what happens. It's an all-in commitment. So we were trying to think of an illustration that would... Um, you know, basically illustrate this. And if you ever had, we had season passes back when the kids were little to Six Flags back over at Giaga, I think it, it was. It was Giaga Lake. Lake and then it became Six Flags and then it disappeared. Yeah. And so it was a great little park and they had something. So I had a fear. They had something called the Demon Drop. Okay. First off, never go on a ride that's called the Demon Drop. That's your first For those of you thing. that do not understand, it's a roller coaster if you've never heard of it. So what it does is it takes you uh, you lay in, a, or you sit in a cart. It takes you up about what six stories, like an elevator. Yeah, and then it takes you out, and then you sit there about two seconds, and all of a sudden it drops you, full blast, just a straight drop down, and then it bends down, catches you, and carries you back. Should have been an easy enough ride. About twenty quick seconds. Enough. Yeah, quick enough ride. Well, I was determined I was going to overcome my fear of roller coasters. I had just recently had developed this fear into my 30s with kids. And my oldest daughter, was she was finally tall enough. So we went on this roller coaster. And I said, sure, you can do that. And I cinched that belt way down tight as a good parent would, you know, so she could hardly breathe. And uh, we get up there about three quarters of the way straight up, and it stops. And my fear of roller coasters went from about this much to about this much, right? Because we're stuck now. We were stuck so long on that roller coaster that the guy had to walk up the many steps, not once, but twice, to tell us, everything's okay, you'll be fine. About the second time, I looked at that man, and mind you, we're in the elevator shaft. I looked at with him- With nothing underneath With us. nothing underneath. And I looked at him, I said, you need to get me off this ride right now. And he goes, I don't think I can do that, ma'am. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I need off this ride right now. Well, my daughter, who's mid mid panic attack. Yeah, just my, so you my know. daughter, who's you know, this is her first time on a coaster. She thinks this is fantastic, and I wasn't going to tell her otherwise. You know, she's thinking this is part of the ride, and we're sitting there going, "This is not part of the ride." So the man comes up and he goes, "No, you're safer if you just stay on the ride." So I wasn't going <laughs> to climb out and around. So sure enough, the ride starts working. We go up to the top. We go out like we're about to be sent down, and we get stuck again, hanging there. Yeah. Yeah, now I will tell you, it's a two-second. Usually you go one, two, drop. We went one, two, three, <laughs> four. And about 35 seconds later, expecting to drop the entire time. Come on, and y'all know what I'm talking about? Expecting it. I look over at her, and I said, this isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> this did nothing to calm my fears of roller coasters, by the way. Uh, we did live through it, however, and we got to the bottom and everything was fine. But the best all-in description we could think of for marriage is, is that sometimes in marriage, you just have to commit to it. And when you commit to it, there's going to be some things that get you stuck along the way. And if those things are where you're at right now, ask for help. You've got to go get help. Do not remain where you're at. Call out. Ask for help. Remember, you're in the relationship. You're all in. But... 
that doesn't mean you know how to fix it. So make sure to ask. So you definitely want to call maintenance for some help. <laughs> and if you need some maintenance, we've got this thing called Love and Respect. It's coming up in the next couple of weeks. And I will tell you that this, this, the concept presented in this seminar is the concept that probably saved us uh, along the way. And it, long story, I'm not gonna tell it to you today, but I had issues and we didn't deal with those issues well and we were not happy and she wasn't happy with me and I wasn't happy with her. And this, when we realized this concept from the Bible and we were taught it, we were like, wow, this can work. And ever since then, it's been mostly good. I mean, <laughs> most of the time. And you know, you can be in a relationship and married to someone and not enjoy it, right? So I figure if we're gonna be stuck together for the rest of our lives, right. we might as well enjoy it. You're stuck with me, That's babe. right, that's, that's right. right. So come to love and respect, but please make sure that you sign up online. We do, there's gonna be some food and there's. we also have to make sure that everybody's spaced out properly. So please, please. All the COVID stuff. Gotta, yeah, make sure that you sign up online. All right, would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word this morning? We're gonna read from Ephesians chapter five, verse 31. You want to? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So the content of everything we're going to talk about today is found in this passage right here. The reason a man leaves his father and mother and united his wife, and two will become one flesh talk about that, what that means without going graphic on you, I hope. Uh, I think maybe you probably understand. Secondly of all, this profound mystery, so what we're going to talk about, if you're single in this place today, it's, what we're talking about does apply to you, even though you're not married, because we're not just talking about a husband and wife thing, we're talking about a relationship of God to you and you to God as the church. So, so this applies to you and everything we're going to talk about today actually applies to you even if you're not married. And then, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That's what we're going to talk about. How do we go about having a healthy covenant relationship? So, Father, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that our hearts would be open to you. And I pray that you would speak your words of truth and inclusion. And if there are those in this room today that they have not yet responded to the word of God, and their hearts are not open yet. I pray, God, that you would open it today. Those viewing online, that you would open their hearts to the truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Turn and smile at somebody before you sit down. Give them a big smile online. Here's your smile, guys. You need a big smile. Everybody needs a smile. Welcome. Welcome. All right. So there are three questions we need to answer in this. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is the covenant of marriage. And we're going to answer three questions. We're going to spend most of our time on question one. We're going to talk through the question, what is a covenant? What is a covenant? What is one? So, Well, there's a difference. So between a promise, a contract, and a covenant. Would we all agree with that? The premise is there is a definite definite difference between promise, contract, and covenant. So a promise is, is that I make a, a promise to you. Back when I was uh, 80s growing up, people would do these things with promise rings that you would promise that one day you're going to get engaged and that engagement was a promise that one day you'd get married. So lots of people gave lots of promise rings and never got engaged because it just happened. A promise is goodwill stated. It's a good intention 
but there's no consequence if you don't follow up. And that, quite honestly, that's morphed in the 2000s is that people now live together. What they do is they meet somebody, you like them, you wanna be together, you want it to last, and you, you, know, you want to, to experience the greatness of love. So you have sex together and then you move in together, but, but there's something missing there because there's no promise. Um, there, there's no, there's, promise isn't good enough. You know, we're gonna be happy. All right, so anyway, if I go over here to Jack Mattia Honda, and uh, let's say I, I go and I, I just go walk through the door and I say, hey guys, I, I, want to, I want a Honda, I want a new Honda Civic, you know, or whatever it is, or I go to whatever the GMC dealer and say, I, I'd like a Denali. And they say, all right, you can have a Denali. And I say, what do I need to do? And they say, just promise you'll bring it back in good shape when you're done with it. <laughs> that's all? Yeah, that's all. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that Denali if that's all I gotta do is promise I'll bring it back in good shape when I'm done with it. Because if they got no contract, I'm gonna be driving that thing and come on, you know what I'm gonna do. He's gonna drive it like a rental car. <laughs> Don't tell me to drive it like you stole it. Last time you said something like that, I, uh, I won the race, I lapped everybody. Yeah, anyway, and they got mad at me because I drove too fast. I get I, mad at him all the time because he drives too fast, I don't know. <laughs> How did we get there? All right, let's take you back to the notes. All right, anyway, here's, here's what I'm saying, though, is a promise that you'll do something, if there's no consequence attached to it, really doesn't mean that much. So now if we go on and we talk about a contract. Well, you got to do that. Oh, one, yeah. Though. You know what a promise is in your family? Promise is when you look at your kids and you say, you are grounded for life. Now, are you really grounding those kids for life? <laughs> no, you are not. And they know it's no. not. So the promise doesn't mean that much. There's not that, there's no, not a lot of consequence to that promise. Right. So if we go on and we talk about covenant or uh, yeah, contract, contract now, a contract is a more of a legal agreement between two parties. And that's based on a lack of trust. The only reason you make a contract with a person. So if I go to buy that same car from Jack Mattia, Honda or wherever, and I go in to get that same car, they want me to sign a contract. Why do they want me to sign a contract? I say, I will make the payments. If I do not make the payments, they have legal grounds to come take that car back from me, right? So uh, a contract is not based on, oh, we believe you. It's based on, we don't believe you and we're going to protect ourselves through it. As a matter of fact, usually the consequence of a contract has some type of financial problem. You know, that somebody's gonna lose and it's usually the one who is the, more the borrower rather than the lender. So uh, a contract is all from a position of power normally. The person of power makes all the rules. And if there's one thing that I cannot stand in today's culture, and we don't probably have a lot of that here, but is a prenup. I am totally against them, especially because the one who is in the position of power usually is not offended by them. But the one who is in the position of um, weaker position, if you want to call it that, is offended. And I don't know, but we didn't have much when we came into the to the marriage together, and that was probably a blessing, right? Because we didn't have that. But in today's world, that's kind of a big deal. Well, and I, I talked to a person after first service about this, and. And you know, he was talking about how when he got married, uh, he had been through a divorce and got remarried. And one of the first things he was advised to do is get a prenuptial because he came in with a lot of uh, property and wealth and the other person didn't. And you know, I, I'm just, and, and he even had to agree. The, the only reason 
that they did the prenuptial is because it was a statement of, I don't trust you to deal with our finances as us. And you know, we, we just have to realize this, that if you're approaching a marriage with, I'm going to love you until you do blank, then you're really not entering into a covenant. What you're entering into is a contract. And there's a lot of that thinking in our world today. I'm gonna love you until you do blank. As a matter of fact, one of the questions we ask when we do premarital counseling is, do you expect your marriage to change after you get married? You know, we wanna know, do you expect for your trust level to remain the same? If they do something wrong, I'll leave them. If you, if you have that mentality going in, you have a contractual view of marriage not a covenantal view of marriage. So what we want to do is talk about a covenantal view. Yes. So if we were to describe it, so I'm a big salad eater, love it. Uh, we love veggies and salad. But if a promise would be, hey, this year, 2021, I am going to try and eat more vegetables and salad. Okay, that would be a promise. The contract would be if I looked at oil and vinegar or salad dressing. Okay, what happens? It always separates. You can shake it up. It, it's fine as it pours out, but as soon as you put that bottle back down, it separates again, right? Oil does not mix. It will never become one salad dressing. That is a contract. A covenant would be represented by ranch dressing. Yeah. Ranch dressing is the best dressing and it, and it all blends together. Well, if you are in the type of relationship that is a contract, you may be together, but you're not actually together. And ranch dressing on Red Robin fries is like the bomb, dot diggity. <laughs> and my stomach just started growling. So could we hurry this up, please? All right, you ready? Um, uh, so how, how do you make a covenant? All right, so let's talk about making of a covenant. I'm going to give you scripture, all right? Acts chapter 15, verse 9 says, So the Lord said to him, said to Abraham, Bring me a heifer. I just love that word, heifer. Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram. And Abraham brought all these to him, and he cut them in two, and he arranged the halves opposite each other. So here's a covenant, all right? Bring the animals, cut the animals in half. So literally, you take the animal, you literally cut them in half. You take half, and you pull it over here. You take the other half, and you pull it over here. So when you do that, what you do is where the animals are in the middle, there is a blood trail. There's blood across the middle, right? So then what you do is you stand on this side and you make your vow. I pledge that I will honor you in sickness and health, forsaking all others, keep myself only unto you as long as we both shall live. And once the vow is made, what do you do? You walk through whatever the pledge, the vow is. Then you walk through the two halves and you say, if I break the vow I made back there, may I become dead like these animals. I am putting my word to the point of you can trust me even to my death, forsaking all others till what? Till death do us part. Death. And so the consequence of the covenant breaking is, is death as represented by those animals. So Genesis 15 says, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. So what happened in this covenant with Abraham, and this is what I'm talking about, this applies to all of us. In this covenant with Abraham, what God did was God, God brought a smoking fire pot after Abraham had laid out the pieces and God made promises to Abraham. I will bless you. I will bless your children after you. The world will be blessed through you. I will give you the land, that kind of thing. Those were the promises God made. And then he passed through the, the animals. 
You know who didn't pass through the animals for that one? Abraham. Do you know why? Abraham didn't make a vow. It was a one-sided covenant. God said, I will do this for you and you don't have to do anything to get this vow. And that's what's so incredible because in Genesis, or in, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter five, we are taught that as followers of Jesus, in Jesus, we have become heirs of the covenant of Abraham and we are now heirs to all the blessings that God promised to Abraham in Christ Jesus, even though we're Gentiles. And this is an incredible thing. God's made promises to you that in Jesus, he's going to fulfill you, bless you. And hold on, like we just sang today, he's going to bless you and he's going to cause your children and your children to be blessed as well. Jeremiah 34 says, those who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they have made before me, I will treat like the calf. They will be cut in two and then walked between its pieces. So this is literally a thousand, two thousand years later, Okay. And this is a statement that covenants are still the same thing. There's the animals. And what he's in reference to here is the covenant of the law, which Jesus nullified by his death on the cross. But we'll talk about that a different time. But the covenant of the law, and he's saying, because you guys promised, I will obey all the law. And you, uh, the law, we walked through the pieces, making our vow. I will keep it. Then we went through. What's going to happen? Because we don't keep the vow. He said, you're all going to die. And that's the promise uh, that God is making to Jeremiah because you guys made the vow to me and you didn't keep it, well, then I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to kill you. So I, I want you to see the seriousness of a covenant. It's not, I'm going to do this until it feels bad. It's, I'm going to make a covenant to you and a commitment to you till death do us part. And there's a lot of covenants in the Bible, not just the marriage one. As a matter of fact, Noah, now you guys are going to help me out with this. Noah, God made a covenant with Noah and what was the sign of the covenant? The right. rainbow, that's right. Celebration, sign of the covenant. And then and with, the, okay. the covenant was, I will not destroy the world with water again. And then he gave us a sign and a celebration. And every time you see a rainbow, you should think about the covenant. All right, go ahead. And then there was Abraham and the sign of that covenant with the law was circumcision. Yeah, not the law, that was the sign of Abraham that God had blessed them was Abraham said, I tell you what, you need to remember the promises I made to you, so we're gonna do this circumcision. So every time a guy went to the bathroom, a Jewish guy who goes to the bathroom, he's reminded that he's a part of God's promise, that God made a vow to him. And throughout the Old Testament, we see the law. The law was a covenant and it was celebrated with all kinds of sacrifices. So every time they made a sacrifice, they were committing once again. They were reminding themselves that they were, there was a law for them to obey. And then when Jesus showed up, what did Jesus do? Jesus included us in the new covenant and he gave us a covenant of blessing and peace and, and saying your sins are forgiven and you've got a future and you've got a hope. It's all found in Christ. And what, how do we celebrate it? With communion. So this is the sign. Every time we celebrate this, we're reminding ourselves that God made a promise to us. So those are biblical covenants, but marriage is also a covenant, isn't it? Yes, and the biblical covenant of marriage is one woman, one man for life. So we go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter two, and God defines the first marriage. By the way, marriage was God's idea from the beginning. It was his design, it was his idea. So, do you wanna read this scripture? Genesis 2, 23 through 25 says, the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. 
She shall be called woman, for Whoa, she man. for she oh. was taken out of a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So there's a lot of cool things in here, but we want to capitalize on this. God is the designer of marriage. God is the creator of marriage. It was his idea. It's his creation. It's his design. It is not our design. It is not our creation. It is his design or creation. So since God is the creator, God gets to define the way it should work. Now, there are lots of ways that people are, quote, married. You know, there have been people throughout the ages that one man gets married to multiple women, right? What do they call that, polygamy? And then there's the polyamorous one where, you know, two or three guys and four or five women all get married together and they all just sort of share whatever that looks like. That sounds weird to me. <laughs> uh, there's, there's now, you know, one man, one man, or one man and 50 men. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, or one woman and one woman or one woman and... 50 women, I don't, I'm hearing these things that people are doing all this and they're calling it marriage. Let me, let me just tell you, it, it may be a contract in our culture we call marriage, but can we be honest that the covenant is designed by God and the designer gets to tell us how to do it. And the designer says his way of doing it is one man, one woman for life. One flesh, naked and not ashamed, that means not just physically naked, but emotionally and spiritually naked. They know the real you and they still are like the real you because you're committed to one another because you said, I, I'm going to love the real you even if I, until I die, no matter what it costs me. And, and that's God's design. That's God's design for marriage. So as a mom, you know, your kids bring you home all kinds of things that you're not quite sure what it is, but it's a great Thing to them, right? They made it, they formed it, they, t they come in and they say, here mom, this is for you. And what do you react? That is beautiful, thank you so much. So on my, on my windowsill, I have had this piece of pottery. Taco face. Okay, now what happened was, we have a picture for it. Okay, <laughs> now I didn't know what it was, it looks gruesome to me. I was like, I don't know, why is my kid doing like a scary creature? Come to find out, they had lost all their front teeth when they made this. And so they only put teeth in the, on the sides. Well, that makes sense to me. And then they told me, it's a taco, mom. It's a taco face. And I was like, of course it's a taco face because now it makes sense. They were the creator. They got to define what it was. They had a reason for making it. They had a way that they made it. They could explain the way and they had really the, the, the rules and the definition of it. So this has been sitting on my windowsill and it is a constant reminder of how cute they were back in the day. But uh, besides that, about the God is the designer of marriage and his rules, his rules work best. He gets to define it because he defined it. He, he's the one that, that created it. And I will tell you that um, living together, um, homosexual relationships, polygamy, those kind of things, they may work for a short time period, but it's not how you're designed and eventually the pain will erupt from it. 
because if you use something for something it's not designed for, it actually doesn't work long term. See, hiking boots are made for what? Hiking, imagine that, you know, walking through water and inclement weather. You know, you know what they're not made for? Basketball. But a couple of weeks ago, there was this uh, young man that came here to church and we had some chairs out and he was in playing basketball in here. And I walked in, saw him, you know, he was 14, I think he's about 15 years old and he plays for his high school team and he's pretty good. He's one of those little quick point guard types. I always hated those guys. <laughs> anyway, this quick point guard type and he comes in here and he's draining his threes and we play a game of horse and he almost beats me at a game of horse and I, I got mad. And I, and I said, uh, do, you want, do you want to play some one-on-one? -on -one? He goes, yeah. Well, you know, we started playing one-on-one. -on -one he started all this fancy dribble on me, you know? You do not and one dribble me, by the way. If you do, I will probably punch you. <laughs> anyway, or I'll do what I did that day. He started and one dribbling me for, you know, he was going to show me what he was doing. And I said, uh-uh, uh-uh, you ain't scoring no more. But I'm wearing my hiking boots on and I'm wearing blue jeans and he's all dressed in his athletic garb and his basketball shoes. And he's like going at it hard. And I'm like, you ain't scoring on me. Uh-uh. I beat him and I beat him pretty soundly, actually. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. The next day, the next day I woke up and these feet that had been in these hiking boots. And 54, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Leave me alone, woman, I'm as good as I once was. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna tell you the next day when I got up out of bed, the wrong shoes, that's what it was, not the age. Those wrong shoes, my feet hurt me so bad. I had blisters and I had, it was not right. I, I can play basketball in these and beat somebody that plays high school basketball, but I will tell you something. I will pay for it the next day. And, and if you think marriage, you know, this relationship is okay. It's working now. Just wait until the blisters start showing up because God designed it and God's got a plan. And if we'll do it his way, it will work long-term. But if you do it your way, it's probably, well, it's not going to work well in the end. So in marriage, um, you make vows. And these vows now, traditionally, you, you probably all have heard these vows. Here's some traditional vows. Will you love her, comfort her, honor her, and keep her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep yourself only unto her as long as you should both live? Yeah, yeah I put the guys in because I was supposed to read these. Oh, sorry, but no, go ahead. I, I just like you hearing, you can say him, that you're okay. going to honor oh, me again. True. I want to I hear that again. You're going to honor me? All right. And then the next part is I take you to be my wedded husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. And in our marriage, in our wedding vows, she said for richer or for poorer. And when I said witcher, this is 32 years ago, all of a sudden, you know, the brain works mysteriously. I saw this witch on a stick crossing through my brain going, <laughs> and I literally started laughing. Okay. In the middle of our vows. I'm crying. crying. She's laughing. He's crying. I'm laughing. So yeah, that was, that's This true. has been our marriage ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so these are the what we would consider traditional vows. But you know, nowadays there's um, a lot of people want to write their vows. We've heard all kinds of vows. Okay, I'm not going to put judgment on that. I'm just going to look. I let will. The screen, I'll put judgment on the it. The screen speak for the. We pulled up some crazy vows. Some uh, there's thousands of them out their there. Their vow fails. Is their what vow we're fails. Them. So let's go ahead and show that. I promise to always support you 
let you sing the Pokemon theme song whenever you want in the car. <laughs> she said, let you sing the Pokemon theme song. And be by your side through each and every adventure we'll take. <laughs> I'll remember this. I felt to help you. That marriage did not start well. Encourage you to visit the gym daily and to take your vitamins every day. <laughs> I promise from this day forward to love, honor, and cook for you. I promise from this day forward to love, honor, and cook for you. <laughs> that one's not bad, though. I promise to relinquish the TV remote control so you can continue your strange love affair with Country Farm. Promise to let go of the remote control. Now, guys, these are cute, they're funny, but they're not vows. A vow has to do with your character, your commitment, your challenge to love through it all. They're, it's a funny, it's a funny, if we can just state it for what it so is. I'm gonna stand before God and man, and I'm gonna say, God, the best vow I've got is, I will cook for you. Yes, my wife does think she's a goddess when I cook. I bring her burn offerings. You're right. All right. So taking vows seriously. So um, we, we want to make sure that the vows we're making before God are vows worth making. And um, anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that. So then what do you do, though, when you made those vows? So you make your vows. You got your stand before God and man. You make your vows. And, and why is sex outside of marriage wrong? Why would it be wrong? Well, just listen here. You make your vows. Then there are the split pieces. You go through them, promising to love one another, death do you part. And every time you celebrate your covenant of marriage is sex. So sex is a celebration of the covenant of marriage. It's a sign that you're in the covenant. Like this is a sign of communion. And like a rainbow is the sign. And like circumcision is a sign. And the sacrifices were a sign. So sex is the moment of celebration of this covenant. Every time a married couple has sex together, what they're doing is they're reaffirming the vows that they made that I will love you and honor you and protect you and be with you only. That, that's, that's what it's about. And if you do it in the wrong order then you are not celebrating the vows and it leaves you very vulnerable for rejection and anxiety and all the things that come along. That's why God has a way that is the best way. He says you take the vow, then you celebrate. You take the vow, whether it was Noah, Abraham, law or Jesus, there is an order to things and God's created it because it's in our best interest. It's in your best interest. Sex outside of marriage is damaging because you don't have the trust that supports the behavior. I mean, think about it. Would you like, would you like get in a, a, a car with somebody on a super speedway, you know, the Audubon as fast as they can go if you don't know they can drive? <laughs> you know, it would not be smart. There, there are multiple things. You, you, learn something about a person, you make a vow to the person, then you enter into the intimacy with them. And I, I want to say this, is that we're preoccupied with sex in our culture. Everybody's preoccupied with this moment of 
pleasure, whatever it is. And what we've done is we've missed the opportunity for years of pleasure for a few moments of pleasure. Sex, believe it or not, is supposed to get better with time. It does, if you stay committed for a long time and you keep those vows, it gets better with time, not worse with time, because the trust level goes up. And what, what you really want, guys, what you really want is not an orgasm, you want intimacy. You want somebody to actually love you for who you are enough that even when they've known you for a long time and they know you, they still are open to you. That's what you really want. That's what you really want. And we trade that for images on a screen or we trade that for shallow things all the time. And what we really, really want is to be loved for who we are. And that's why God designed sex to be pleasurable is so it would keep us coming back to the commitment over and over and over again. Hebrews 13, four says, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Wow. Do you know what this verse says? It says that marriage is honorable. And it says that sex within marriage is pure. Sex within marriage is what? Pure. pure. Can everybody say it with me? It is what? Pure. pure. It's pure. I, I just think we have a wrong idea of what sex is there for. Sex is not there to give you a moment of pleasure because your body's going crazy. It's there to give you a connection point of celebrating the vows that you made. And in any of the one cases that we said earlier um, that is not in God's best interest, you know, one that we did not mention is a sexless marriage. Okay, you don't hear that talked about very much, but I'm gonna tell you and I can tell you in a room of this size, there are probably couples in here that are no more than roommates and that is not a healthy marriage either. That's not God's best design. And if you're there, you're going to be stuck. Just like on that roller coaster, please go get some help. In 1 Corinthians 7, 5, it says, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time. For a time. So you may devote yourselves to prayer. So if you're in that situation, please go get some help. If there's, if there's a problem, if there's something like that, there's a lot of rejection going on and a lot of things that aren't healthy for you, both emotionally, physically, all the things that wrap up in that. The only reason for a couple that are committed to one another, married to each other, to not have sex is when they agree to pray instead of having sex. Hallelujah. No, <laughs> all the guys in the room ought to be saying amen. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm really not kidding. So, by the way, those of you that are upset that I'm talking about sex, 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 sex. Now get over it. All right? There you go. <laughs> marriage. Last of all, marriage, though, all of that we're talking about here is a spiritual covenant. It's a covenant. Ephesians 5.32, we come back to this again. We're not talking about sex and marriage. What we're talking about is a celebration of the covenant where those moments where, do you ever feel like God doesn't love you and that he's forgotten you? Do you ever feel like those moments maybe that you've goofed up too bad and God can't accept you and love you again? This is that moment where we, we come back around and we find out in this moment of celebration of this covenant that we're reminded that God loves us even when we goof up. These things flow together 
And God designed it so that one is a shadow of the other. So marriage is an example. Now, this leads us to a couple of questions. We got to deal with a couple of problems real quick. All right. So what if the covenant is broken? There's people in here right now that are probably like, oh, I was divorced five years ago. I, there's a lot of condemnation. That is not the purpose of this nope. sermon. As a matter of fact, there's a lot, also a lot of bad theology out there. So we're going to make the offer that if you're sitting here and you're feeling very, very condemned right now, please come talk to us. Call the church office. We don't have time to dive into all of the theology and everything, but we would love to, a chance to talk to you. There are three reasons you can break a covenant, three, three, per, three reasons it happens. And I just want to go to the last verse in this Matthew 9. Can you put the last verse up there? Um, he, he says, um, verse 8, and can you go back one? There you go. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. Why? Come on, why is, why is the breaking of the covenant ever allowed? Your hearts are hard. So no matter which one of these three that we're talking about, there are three biblical reasons that you can end a covenantal relationship. But no matter what, I want you to understand that somebody's heart's hard. It's the only way you get there because we, we firmly believe that any two people that are willing to work it out, it can be fixed. Yeah. If both of them are committed to the process, it if, can be fixed. If only one is... It's, it's impossible. But we have seen really bad relationships yeah. restored completely better than they ever were because both people wanted, wanted to be in it, in it to win it. So there are three, three biblical reasons you can break a covenant. First one's adultery, and that's from this passage in Matthew chapter 19. Adultery is the first one. Um, that means that one person literally breaks the vows, forsaking all others, keep myself only unto you. They literally break that vow and they go outside of their marriage with an adultery relationship. Second of all, abandonment. Abandonment means that one person leaves, 1 Corinthians seven fifteen. but if the unbeliever leaves, let it be. So if, the, if they're gonna run off there, and notice this, the brother or sister, notice that it's an unbeliever, so it's a person that has a hard heart against God. So if they've got a hard heart against God, then they've got a hard heart against their spouse. So if the unbeliever believes, let it be so. The brother or sister, and notice this, is not bound. Not bound. And I did some research on this years ago, and what it means is literally you're not tied together anymore. When they take off and their lack of faith, then you're not bound. You don't have to keep that covenant. And then the third one is abuse. And violence is never, ever, ever permissible in a covenant. We would never, ever send either a guy or a girl home into an abusive situation. That is not God's plan. That is not God's best. And that is one of the reasons for a covenant to be broken. Malachi 2.16 says, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and the one guilty of violence. So uh, translation just says this, divorce and violence are put hand in hand. And, and if you're in a situation where there's violence in a relationship, what you are then is your heart is hard because you're not saying you're not protecting. You vowed to love and protect. And how can you love and protect somebody when you're violent against them? So all three of these are breaking of the vows. So these things happen and God hates divorce. God hates it when people break because God wants you to remain true to the vows and the things you've connected to. But a broken covenant can be restored. Now, we will say we've had sometimes I, I told her we need to say this. Things have not always been easy. She lives with me. Come on, it's not always easy. 
And at whatever level, be it the level of disappointment or be it the level of adultery, whatever the level is or somewhere in between, there is a process you can go through to restore a broken covenant. So that process is? The first thing you need to do, in, and this is great for arguments of any type with relationships. First thing you have to do is own it. You have to admit your fault, your failure, not because you. Okay. Right. If I admit my fault and failure, I need to take ownership and I need right. to say, I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm not going to be Fonzie. If anyone, you remember happy days, I was so, 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 so sorry. Okay. No, you have to actually admit your fault in it. And uh, regardless of whether they of whether they admit anything or not, I'm responsible ultimately for my actions. I'm responsible for me. And I am responsible for me. So first you own it. Second, you change it. You stop the destructive behavior. You know, it doesn't mean a whole lot to somebody if you completely own something all the time and then you repeat the behavior. Just a little word of advice. If you're going to continue in the same habits and the same thing that got you to that point, then it doesn't really seem like a sincere owning. Third, you need to renew it. So let's say your vow has been broken. Let's say your relationship needs to be restored. Renew it. Talk about it. Restore your commitment one to another, and last but not least, keep it. In other words, move forward being loyal and faithful to the vows that you've committed. So just as a general rule in any conflict or in any kind of relationship, own it, change it, renew it, and keep it. So a lot of people think that marriage is going to be this. We started here, and we're going to love each other more till the day we die. That's, that's sort of inappropriate because it looks more like this. <laughs> Right. You have highs and lows, and those highs and lows are repeated in cycles, you know? You know, you go through this, do something wrong, you own it, you change it, renew it, you keep it, you're on a high, and then you do something else wrong, and you go low again, right? It's a cycle. It will be a cycle, and you will go through these cycles your entire life. My question to you is this. Are your cycles going up generally, or are they going down generally? So I sent in an altar and said, I love you, and I'm going to love you till the day I die. And we've had highs and we've had lows and we've been here everywhere. But I'm going to tell you 32 years later, I, on my worst days, on the worst days, love you more than the best days back then. And no, this is really, really important. This isn't just cute. This is really important. Listen to me. It looks and feels different now than it did then. And if you want this gooey feelings for the next 60 years of your life, you won't have that happen. It isn't going to happen because you're not 12 or 15 or 16 anymore. You're going to grow up and you're going to, I would tell you, I love this lady more now than when we started, but it's different kind of love. She knows the real me. She's been through all the excuses and I don't think there's anything left Should probably find something one of these days and I'll have to go through the own it, change it, repeat it again. Right? But that's what we do. That's how you create a relationship that lasts. So if both parties are committed to it, it can happen. And remember that grace is given, but trust is earned. Trust is an earned commodity. You don't just give someone your trust. And if someone breaks your heart or does something or you're in this process, it takes time to rebuild a trust. It, I don't care whether it's with your kids or whatever. You don't just give your trust away uh, very easily. Trust, because trust is earned. You have to work for trust. And how do you work for trust? By those things right there. Mainly the keep it part at the bottom. 
And you know what? There's a whole lot of grace given when somebody knows that they've been really trying really hard. Well, I don't try. I don't try. Trying's for losers. I train. There's a difference. You don't go into the gym to try to get strong. You go into the gym to train to get strong. And if you've got a problem with any of these things, quit trying. Quit trying. Trying's what losers do. Start training. That means you take positive, proactive, measured steps to make it happen. Oh, anyway, that's a different sermon for a different day. <laughs> but too many, too many people I know are trying to get better. Quit trying to be better and start training to get better. Here's what I want you to do. If you're sitting next to somebody, you're in a relationship with them, reach over and grab their hand. If you're in a relationship with them, grab their hand. We're going to say a prayer, all right? Father, there are lots of uh, things that have caused hurt, and um, there are lots of things that have threatened to break up the covenant. Let us today go through the process of owning our sins, our failures, taking definite steps to change it, renew our promises, and then to keep it. God, help us to do that. And I pray, Father, that uh, those that are sitting here, that they're in some various cycle of a circle, whether this is a great time of growth and things going up, or it's a bad time of things going down, or they're at the bottom. I pray that you would give them hope that they can grow in this marriage relationship and this commitment the way they ought. In the name of Jesus, amen. And we have a little challenge for you couples. Um, write a vow to your spouse today. I mean like a real one, not like I'm going to do the laundry, okay? Like I'm talking about like a vow from your heart to them, especially if you've been married uh, a length of time. It's always good to go back and refresh those feelings that you have. So what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate communion in a second. So I want, I've asked them to come play and sing a song for us and uh, take five minutes. Just think about God's commitment to you. And if you're in this room today and you have not yet received the forgiveness and the grace of God, we're going to receive this communion element in a second. And if you say, I want to enter into this vow and covenant relationship with Jesus. When we partake of this bread, you're gonna be given a chance to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're online, you might wanna text BELIEVE to the number on the screen, and uh, we're gonna celebrate this together. Would you bow your heads with me just real quick? I, I need to ask a question. If you're in this room today and you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, and today you would like to make him the Lord of your life, you'd like to receive the promises he's made to you and be a part of the vow that he's made to you. If that's you, you'd like to receive that. Would you just lift your hand up nice and high? I'd like to pray with you right now. Yes, yes. There are others? Yes. Yes, around this room, hands going up. Yeah. Could we pray together? Nobody prays alone at Harvest Ridge. Everybody together, y'all ready? Dear Jesus, I believe in you that you were resurrected from the dead and that you made promises to me. I now receive those promises. I enter into your covenant blessings and I receive life from you. Thank you. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, guess what just happened? God made you his child. You are now a receiver of the covenant blessings of Jesus. You're a part of the family. You're one of us weirdos. Welcome. It's good. The water's good. Jump on in. Go all in. Here we go. Y'all ready? Can we sing this song together and then we're going to come back and celebrate together?